It's not simply what they're eating. It's how they see themselves. It's what's going on between the ears. I love saying your weight loss goals will be achieved by what you put in your mouth, but 100% of what you put in your mouth comes from what you put in your head in order to achieve long-lasting results. Soya, the Plant Power Coach, is a New Zealand-born, Melbourne-based health and life coach helping people ditch unhealthy diet mentality to achieve healthy and sustainable weight loss on a plant-based diet. Her signature six-month Plant Power Transformation Program helps clients to not only adopt a more whole foods, plant-based lifestyle, but helps them rewire the mindset and relationship to food and themselves so that they unwind years of unhealthy habits, thoughts, and beliefs, and finally achieve sustainable and healthy weight loss. She is certified in plant-based nutrition through eCornell, is a certified health and life coach through the Health Coach Institute, and in March 2021 was named number two life coach in the world to watch by Yahoo Finance. As a lover of whole plant-based foods, it is her staunch belief this is the way that human body should be fueled. It is her mission to help as many people as possible make plant-based eating joyful and healthy for not only their own health and weight loss benefits, but for the benefits of both the planet and the animals. She's also a self-confessed crazy cat lady, a lover of classic rock music and air guitarist, sci-fi nerd, and loves a good ghost story or two. Also, you'll hear in this conversation that Karen spoke about starting a transition program. Well, it is now up and running and we will include the link in the show notes. I hope that you enjoy this episode and let's welcome Karen Sawyer. Hi, Maya. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. I'm excited that you're here and that you will be speaking to us about uh, moving away from that mentality of dieting, that is, even though you do support people in weight loss. I want our listeners to know that you're in Australia. And we had the opportunity to talk a little bit ahead of time. And I like how you said that very early on, you sort of were not comfortable eating animals. So if you want to start with that. Yeah, um, I, I like to say that um, our struggles in life are always leading us somewhere. And the reason I say this is because as I look back over my life, I realized how a lot of the things that I really struggled with a lot in life, and I guess my behavior and the things that I liked and didn't like as a child have sort of um, converged to, um, I guess, being me being here and doing what I'm doing today. So um, for anybody out there in life who might be struggling, <laughs> um, how can you take a learning from what you are struggling with and maybe uh, it's leading you to also be able to help somebody later in life? But, um, yeah, I think back to um, one of my very earliest memories as a child and I was, um, I think, about three or four years old. Uh, living, I grew up in New Zealand, by the way, so I live in Australia now, but I was living in New Zealand in Hamilton. And I was sitting on the front lawn outside of our house and I was chewing something meat. I think it was a piece of steak. And I just remember it being disgusting. <laughs> I was chewing and I was chewing and I was chewing and then I spat it out. And I really didn't like it. I didn't like the taste of it. It, ta- it. The texture was awful. I just didn't want to swallow it. And as I grew up, I learned that this was meat. And then later in life, I obviously learned that that was an animal. Um, and 
very early on, I developed quite a close connection with animals. I had cats uh, as pets, and I was very close to one of them. And we lived in an area that was sort of being newly developed um, as they were developing into what was farmland. So we had horses, you know, there might have been cows, sheep um, in sort of neighboring paddocks. And so I would often be out there and talking to the animals and looking at them in the eyes and connecting with them and realizing that they had personalities and they were beings just like my little cat that I loved. And, um, and as I grew up, I, I, you know, and started to realize that this food that was on our plate that I didn't even really like, um, it was animals, you know, there were bones, there were, there was sinew, there was fat and all of it was disgusting to me um, and I really didn't like it at all and uh, <clears throat> I didn't really have a choice about what I ate as a child but I got I or didn't have a choice about what I was served as a child but I did have a choice as to whether I wanted to eat it or not and what I did a lot of the time particularly with things like steak and chops and um, and more sinewy bits of chicken I would just cut them up and push them to the side of the plate and then dad who sat next to me at the table would eat them <laughs> and he would laugh at me and tell me I was leaving the best bits behind and I said I don't care you can have it I'll have my vegetables instead <laughs> so that connection to what I was eating uh, really did start early on and in my teenage years I started uh, well I, I really learned about you know vegetarianism I realized that you didn't have to eat this stuff um, that we could be healthy without it and uh, and more I guess influence from food food influences from other countries started to appear into New Zealand and I think that was probably around the late 80s um, and you know things like Asian cuisine uh, like Mexican and um, Italian they started to uh, come into New Zealand life and in, in Hamilton that's when I started to uh, I guess discover other ways of eating, other ways of cooking food as opposed to just meat and three veg. <laughs> um, and as a teenager, I started cooking as well. I always used to hang around the kitchen with mum when she was cooking meals. And I was fascinated. I just wanted to learn how to do it. And um, as a teenager and wanting to explore more vegetarian, um, I started cooking more vegetarian for the family, much to my dad's dismay. He home from work and say where's the meat <laughs> so that's where I was really starting to explore and then uh, I finished my arts degree when I was 20 and moved city moved out of home moved city in with my um, fiance at the time yes I got married young I got married at 21 uh, <laughs> and um, when we moved in together uh, I became we became vegetarian so uh, that was when I took the full step into vegetarianism and then later in my 20s uh our my, yeah my 20s I guess uh we we both went vegan for probably about five years at the time so that was kind of where it all started and I haven't eaten anything like red meat at least um since then uh, I since you know later a little later in life went back to eating fish um but then of course you know I'm now back to plant-based but um yeah that's really where it started that that you know that taste I really didn't enjoy the taste as a child of, of eating meat and um then learning you know that this was an animal and that I had the choice to say no 
and um, and then finding veganism afterwards and really getting involved for about five years in animal rights, animal activism, um, and you know going full on vegan in my in my twenties at some point. So, question about your partner at the time when he came into um, this way of living through as a vegetarian, was it also for that sort of kind of like ethical reasons, or or was it because it was trendy? Because there was a time when you know just being a vegetarian was a thing. Mm. No, I don't think it was. Um, definitely wasn't a trend. We were going. We were bucking the trend from you know everybody else that we knew. None of our family. Uh, I don't recall any of our friends. So we you know made a new set of friends. So it, it really was about the ethics. We used to talk about it a lot. That was you know one of the big reasons that we connected. And particularly when we went vegan, you know we saw. Um, you know, I guess the, all the atrocities within the, the dairy and the egg industries and just, you know, we decided, if, well, if we're not make, making a decision to not support the meat industry, then we're going to make a decision to not support the full animal agriculture. So at what point did you decide that being a health coach was like the right thing for you to do, especially in the field of plant-based nutrition? Uh, okay. Well, as I say, this I feel like where I am now is is the result of converging stories in my life and converging struggles or converging um, paths. And I'll take you back to, again, I'm probably around the age of three or four again. Um, and this is this is where my, I guess, my body dysmorphia <laughs> and self-worth issues started to develop. And um, yes, they do kick in at a very early age. Um, this is where we, you know, that age of about, I think it's before about the age of seven, a lot of our limiting beliefs are when we um, are, when are developed within us. Um, I, um, again, in Hamilton, our, our neighbours over the back fence were very involved in gymnastics. And um, their two kids who were around my, my age uh, were both going off to gymnastics class. So I went with them one day. And there I am, I'm standing in amongst all of these strange kids that I have never seen before. And as I look around at everybody, I realize that, um, well, I said to myself, I have fat legs, standing there in my little leotard. And I, I've got my dad's stocky legs. <laughs> dad has stocky legs and I have inherited him from the waist down. That <laughs> um, <clears throat> as a little three or four year old child, standing there looking at everybody else's skinny legs. And I even said to myself, even the fat kids in inverted commas um, have skinny legs. Now, these weren't fat kids. These were kids with little pukus who stood out, <laughs> who stuck out, right? And but pukus the Maori word for tummy. So <laughs> little tummies that stuck out. So um, And even they had skinny legs. But in my mind, that meant that I was, you know, I had legs, even though I didn't. And that was something that really started to uh, play on my mind as a child. And um, as a child, I developed this really negative self-opinion um, of myself. And I would, the whole sort of negative self-chatter really started in my, in my early life. Um, I had red hair, so I looked different to everybody else pale skin and freckles and I had a few moles on my legs and I wanted all of that to change. I wanted like everybody else, I wanted skinny legs. I didn't want to have freckles. I wanted to have normal skin. My brother was blonde, blue eyed and tanned. 
<laughs> no freckles. And I cursed him because I wanted his colouring. Um, and I also had pretty terrible teeth. Uh, my dad, <laughs> my my dad has uh, um, <clears throat> challenging teeth, let's just say. And um, but he never had braces as a child. And I had, you know, the eye teeth up here, and I had a gap in the middle of my teeth, and it was off to one side, and crowded mouth. And so I had all these things about my physical appearance that I just did not like. I did not look like the pretty little girls at school who had all the friends who the boys liked and I was just this different child. And it really affected my image of myself um, growing up and I wanted to change everything. In fact, when I was told at age 11 that I'd have to have braces, I couldn't stop smiling. I never smiled with my mouth open in photos before that, but as soon as I was told I had to have braces, I couldn't stop smiling. It's yay, these are going to be fixed. <laughs> so growing up with this, sort of pretty poor self-image and wanting to change everything about myself and believing that my legs were fat, even though they weren't. Um, that sort of extended through my life. And then um, I guess when I met my ex-husband, um, uh, I was 16, he was 20. He didn't grow up with me, so he didn't see that version of me. He saw a young, you know, a teenage girl um, who was coming into her her looks, uh, you know, was, and he saw me in a completely different light. And so the attention that I received from him um, made me feel good about myself. And that was one of the reasons why I liked him. Even though there were red flags early on in the relationship that I ignored, I was relying on him and how he saw me for my self-worth. So fast forward to when we're living in um, in Auckland and my life has changed. I used to be very active. Um, and also while I was going through university, I had a retail, um, part-time job. Um, and so that meant standing for a long time, um, you know, for work. Plus I was at the gym a lot. I was playing badminton. So I was very active, even though I thought I had fat legs, I didn't, I was very athletic. Um, fast forward to when I'm living in Auckland, I'm now in retail, but in a seated job in the buying office. So I'm sitting for eight hours a day. I gave up badminton and I wasn't going to the gym as much. And so my weight started to change. This is when I really did start to gain weight. And even though we went vegan, when I first went vegan, I had a bunch of weight to start with. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. This is so great. It must be all that dairy and the eggs and things that I was eating. But I found ways to put it back on, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but I learned how to make apple pie and cheesecake and, you know, all of the, I guess, goodies that um, initially were dropped from our diet and that weight for me just started to creep back on again. And then the self-worth issues started to, to creep back in. Um, I was worried about, you know, not pleasing my husband because, um, because of the weight that was now creeping on. Remember the self-worth issues that had been developing during my childhood and um, they started converging now that I was actually putting on weight. And, you know, because I was relying on my ex-husband for, you know, to feel good about myself, um, I was sort of giving away my power. And, um, and and even he started to notice the weight and he started commenting on it. And I started doing things that I thought were going to help with the weight, but these were just tactics. What I really needed to work on was my relationship with myself. Um, that I would try, I tried diet pills. Um, all I did was make me break out in 
terrible cystic acne. Um, we were very much involved in the bodybuilding scene for a while or the marathon running scene for a while because my ex was a sporty person. He was either playing squash or badminton or marathon running or bodybuilding. So we were very much involved in that scene. Was I wasn't. I felt like um, I wasn't a sporty person and I couldn't do it. That's what I told myself. So he was around all these very sporty people. You know, I was at the gym. I was trying to train really hard. I found this guy called Bill Phillips that had this book um, that was about his 12-week challenge. <laughs> and I read it. I absorbed everything. And the amount of times I put myself, tried to put myself through his 12-week challenge on my own and fell off, fell off track at about week three or four um, because I failed. Um, I might have stuffed up. I might have had a an off meal, um, an off day. You know, my training wasn't perfect, um, and I just and because of that, I really was really struggling to remove the weight. I tried running, and then I was so bad at it. Um, my weight had affected me so much that I felt so heavy, and I struggled to even run around the block. I was trying to push myself too hard too soon because I was trying to achieve an outcome so that I could feel good about myself. And that really, that whole spiral, um, it was sort of like a, you know, heavily restrictive cycle of eating and then manic exercise, which would fall off track at about week three or four because I couldn't keep it up. And then I would probably spiral into a, a little bit of a binge and, then beat myself up because I'd failed. And then I'd wait till I felt so bad enough about myself that I had to try again. And it was that negative spiral that I was in um, that was really, you know, affecting my self-worth even more. And it was then starting to affect my relationship um, with my husband as well. Um, not only was I feeling, if he, I'm feeling bad about myself and relying on him to make me feel better, well, he's looking at me beating myself up and he's doing exactly the same thing. You know, he's not feeling great about me because I'm not feeling great about me, which uh, about 10 years into the marriage um, started to really break down significantly. Um, we tried to hold together and move to Australia for trying to get away and have a bit of a um, an adventure. Um, and while we were over here, we, we ended up um, buying into a fitness franchise um, because by this stage he decided he wanted to be a personal trainer. And I'd just been made redundant from um, my job over here. So I joined him in this business to really get it up and running. And it was it was stepping into that identity of a trainer and shifting how I saw myself that really helped me gain strength um, not just physical strength, but inner personal strength. I still wasn't there yet, but it was this, kind of the start of my journey. And I also found the inner strength during that journey to end the marriage myself. I left. Um, I decided that there was behavior that was not healthy. I found my inner, inner self, my inner voice, and realized I do not need um, to rely on somebody else to make me feel good. I am responsible for that. Um, and it was really after leaving that marriage that the world changed for me. Um, and I started to, I just made different decisions for myself. I decided who I wanted to be. No more hiding in this 
person who was ashamed of themselves, um, told themselves they couldn't do stuff. I was the shyest kid I ever knew growing up. I decided I wanted to be um, more confident. I wanted to be more popular. Uh, so I just made that decision. And by changing my mindset, by changing who I wanted to be, it actually started to change my world. A few years later, I, I started seeing somebody who introduced me to the world of self-development and Tony Robbins. And I saw what Tony Robbins could do to people. And I just went, wow, that is power. I want that power. <laughs> and I started, um, I started realizing that I wanted more for my life than just to worry about me. I actually wanted to help other people. I reflected on my journey through life and the struggles that I'd had with my, my weight and my self-worth and coming out of a marriage. And I, in some way, I wanted to help other people. I thought I wanted to be a life coach. Um, in fact, I did study Tony's um, Core 100 life coaching program. I left my retail buying job. I was a lingerie buyer for almost 10 years, our biggest department store over here in Australia. And I left that with the intent of becoming a life coach. <laughs> I didn't know who I was going to coach. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to get there. I was just going to figure it out along the way. And unfortunately, well, I, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know whether, how you say this, but one of my suppliers at the time basically nabbed me and said that they had a job going and they wanted me to apply for it. So I did that and that sort of delayed my journey by another two and a half years. During that time, I was taking my diet back from vegetarian back to being vegan. I, I, as soon as I got the job, I was diagnosed with skin cancer. Um, and it was thankfully just a stage one. We caught it very early and had two operations to remove it. But that was like my big aha, kick up the butt to get myself back to being vegan. I knew that uh, dairy was implicated in cancers. I knew that animal protein was cancer. And I had been wanting to go back to being vegan for some time now. I've been thinking about it. Um, I just, I was resistant for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why. But this was sort of my wake up and my motivation to make that change. Then I found the experts in that space. T. Colin Campbell, Corville Esselstyn. I found um, Michael Greger. I found a lot of the experts. And I started looking more into this whole food plant-based nutrition thing. I found T. Colin Campbell's eCornell plant-based nutrition certification and I knew I wanted to do it, but I kept pushing it away. I think I pushed it away for about 18 months and just said, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And then it was shortly after the Game Changers documentary came out and another friend of mine, she met through a Tony Robbins event, she said to me that she and her husband had seen the doco and they wanted to transition to plant-based eating and she was asking me all sorts of questions and wanting my help and she said to me and hi Nicole if you're listening <laughs> I always blame her for being who I am today um, she said to me you should coach on this this is what you should do with your coaching and I said boom that's it <laughs> I got off the call with her I enrolled in the eCornell course that started the following Tuesday. I think our conversation was on a Sunday. That course started on the Tuesday following. The following Friday, I resigned from my job. 
And that was at the end of 2019. And I said, I'm going to do this. I set up my business name, The Plant Power Coach. And I, um, in, I signed up with a business coach who was going to help me take the right steps to get my coaching business in the right direction. And in January of 2020, I started the Plant Power Coach. And um, yeah, I just I decided I, I don't know what I don't and I'm going to figure it out. And I started off by coaching um, pro bono. There were about uh, about 10 people, I think, pro bono and my whole idea is I wanted to help people transition to a vegan diet um, and I was I learned a lot during that process of coaching people pro bono I that as people don't actually pay for the service they often don't show up <laughs> they might come to one coaching session they got me for three months for help and they might have turned up to one session and um, and that was it but I also learned what people were really stuck with as well. And um, But I also realized during that period that I didn't really know anything about how to help people shift their habits, how to help people with their mindset. Uh, I didn't have that more health coaching skill. So I decided to enroll um, in a proper health coaching course. It's like that is exactly what I need. So I did that for six months and then launched the business properly uh, at the end of that coaching. So I think I uh, I graduated at the end of September and then October, it was uh, October 2020. That was kind of like the official relaunch of, of the business. Um, and in terms of weight loss, it, weight loss kind of found me. I was resisting coaching on weight loss for so long because – Somehow I held this limiting belief in my head because I felt so good, you know, in my body, in my health. Now, um, I sort of didn't really remember a lot of my struggles from the past. It was like there's this big block, <laughs> like it was another life, another person. And so I was resisting coaching weight loss. But I, what I found is when I relaunched the business, most of the people who came to me were coming to me for weight loss. They may be wanting to transition to plant-based because they wanted to lose weight or they were vegan um, people who wanted to tidy up their diet and become more whole food plant-based so that their weight loss outcomes. So weight loss kind of found me. And as I was coaching people on their struggles, a lot of it reminded me of the struggles that I had gone through in my past. And then I realized I do have a weight loss uh, or a weight struggle story. I have a self-image struggle story. I have a self-worth struggle story. And a lot of this ties into people's uh, weight, um, weight loss journeys. It's not simply what they're eating. It's how they see themselves. It's what's going on between the head, you know, between the ears. Um, and a lot of that was what was affecting me too. Um, you know, I love saying 80% of uh, your weight loss goals will be achieved by what you put in your mouth. But 100% of what you put in your mouth comes from what you put in your head. So we need to work on both what we're putting in our mouth and what we're putting in our heads in order to achieve long-lasting results. So that's why I now like combining not only my, you know, love of plants and um, my my love of plant-based living and plant-based health, and also combine um, the life coaching skills um, and the I guess the life lessons that I have learned along the way to really help people shift who they're being in their life. 
in order to achieve their weight loss goals permanently, not just while they're working with me for six months. (laughs) You've been on this journey yourself, so you know what it's like when you're working with other people, not only the limiting beliefs, but just sort of the the real struggle of it all. So I I can see that support system that you create is significant um, for your clients. I mean, you don't have to necessarily have had your own struggle to be able to help somebody. But if you have, if you've been through that struggle yourself, you really know what other people do struggle with. And you're not literally just trying to tell somebody what to do. In my 20s, I listened to everybody trying to tell me what to do. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I I didn't believe that I could achieve what I wanted to achieve. Deep down, I you know, didn't have great self-worth. I wasn't speaking to myself kindly. If I made a mistake, I would beat myself up terribly. So somebody who hasn't had that struggle in their life probably doesn't have the same level of understanding of what that can be like. Um, And to really um, help someone work on that part of themselves so that they don't continue to sabotage their journey so that they do stay on track. Um, It's not just about providing information. There is so much information out there. Um, There is so much information that it's almost overwhelming to people too. People actually want to be led. They want to be handheld. They want to be guided. And when they've got struggles, um, they feel like they're alone. I felt like I was alone. I'm probably not. I know I'm not alone in the struggles that I had because I see everybody else struggling with it. But we always feel like it's our own struggle and we feel like nobody else understands and nobody else can really help us with it. So having somebody to turn to, having somebody who understands the struggle, having somebody to be able to help you move past that struggle, to help you see that you are not failing and that you're just learning and that this is all just part of your growth um, is really, really important to staying on track, to not falling off track. So, yeah, I think it can be, you know, having your own struggles as a health coach um, can be really, really powerful in in helping somebody um, achieve their goals. Karen, you would be surprised how many women tell me that they had eating disorders uh, of some sort. And I'm thinking, gosh, yeah, it felt like I was the only one when I was younger, when I was in high school, college. And yet we are living in a time when there is more, um, so many other body figures and and showing uh, on social media and on TV. Um, I thought I had it tough growing up. I cannot even imagine young women looking at these female figures on television, on social media, I, I feel like that can contribute a lot to self-image and body dysmorphia. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if you've heard of Tony Robbins' six human needs that he talks about. Um, so there's four that we're always trying to meet um, every day. And then there's two that are more about um, needs of the soul. So there's the needs of the person and there's the needs of the soul. So the four, you've got the need for certainty and uncertainty, the first two. Certainty is about safety um, and uncertainty is about variety. So we need those. But the other two are about significance, feeling important, and the other one is about connection and love. So I feel like in this age of social media, um, we have you know a lot of people out there showing themselves in a way, in order to feel significant, 
about themselves to get that attention to feel like they're worthy in somehow some way um and and also to seek that love and support and connection with people we are always trying to meet those four needs in some way but there are positive ways to meet them and there are not so positive ways to meet them for example um you know significance could also be uh say somebody coming into a gun a, a bank with a gun and robbing the place you know it feels strong it feels significant it's like listen to me i'm in charge here so that's like a negative way to meet that need for significance but this world of social media you you, you can see it playing out there's um a lot of people particularly i think the, the younger generation who are more about trying to find who they are and i guess this is the part of the season of life when we are younger we are trying to find who we are we are trying to find where we fit in into this world we are trying to find uh we are trying to make ourselves worthy and seen and heard and feel significant in some way but it's not off we're not often doing it in the the best possible ways um when we get to later in life this is when we start to realize oh that that stuff doesn't really you know we can still meet our needs for um you know significance and love and connection but we also start to say is that it you know is just looking good is that all i'm about you know is is working this 9 to 5 job and making money and having the house and the car and the kids and the dog is that all life is about and we start to look internally and say how can i help others we start to want to meet our needs of the soul and this is where we start to want personal growth so growth is one of the um six human needs of the soul and the other one is contribution how can i help others and while it is difficult for a lot of young girls growing up in this age we've always been doing it we've just got a different platform to seek that significance and that um that love and connection with people it's just you know we've got this global platform or global platforms now in that we're doing it and it can bring out the best in people and it can bring out the worst um it doesn't always need to stay that way though and that is where you know things like coaching can come and it can help people grow and help people realize that there is more to life than just themselves and somehow this is why i say you know your struggles are there in life to potentially help somebody else out um we we stop going internal and focusing on us so much we can go internal to grow but if we then then recognize that those struggles might be for a reason that they might be there to then help somebody else out of a struggle um we can help people get out of their own heads and and continue to grow and evolve as a human as a as a human species <laughs> can you tell us about your programs when are you running your programs and then what else is coming up for you my main coaching program is my 6 month plant power transformation so this is my weight loss coaching program um it's actually evergreen so uh people can join at any point in time um providing that i have the space it is one on one high service coaching um with with people directly um so it's 6 months working with me we work through uh the tactics of weight loss so this is you know what you put in your mouth this is the you know the food that is going to um contribute or or produce the weight loss within you it's like what does healthy whole food plant based eating actually look like and why does this work for weight loss um and then we look at all sorts of other healthy habits that contribute to weight loss as well so it's how you're moving your body it's your water it's your sleep um it's what else up uh, eating for hunger and hunger alone 
not for boredom, not for, um, not for, you know, numbing emotions. This is what I find with a lot of people. A lot of people are eating for reasons that are not hunger related. So let's ditch all of the um, unnecessary eating, the eating for other reasons in your life. And then there is stopping at satisfied. So again, a lot of people are overeating. We have particularly our generation grown up with the message from our parents, um, clean your plate. There are starving children in Africa. Um, a lot of my parents' generation grew up post-war, uh, post-World War II, when there probably was a bit of food scarcity. So, you know, for them, it was about piling the plate high and eating the whole lot. Um, so it's unveiling a lot of those food messages and those food patterns that people have and having them come back to nourish their body with the right foods, but also um, for the right reasons, for hunger and to stop it enough. Um, and then we move into um, uh, learning more about our habits, learning more about our patterns, learn about self-sabotage. Um, everybody, we're human, like we all self-sabotage in some way. But, we, but learning about why and how it comes up for us in our life is really, really important to be able to spot it and move past it and realize that it doesn't have to drag you off track. Um, we work a lot around mindset um, and our thoughts that we have, the thoughts that we have um, every day, the things that we say to ourselves every day. Uh, we work a lot around emotions um, because our, our thoughts create our emotions. Nothing else creates our emotions. Nothing else can determine how we feel but what we think. Um, and then, of course, our emotions drive our actions So, and our actions lead to our results. So we work through that with people, helping them. Um, a lot of people are eating for their emotions, as I said, trying to numb emotions. So we work through some tools and some ways to just be okay with emotions um, as well as serving the real needs. So, you know, if you're eating for, for boredom, for example, well, is there something missing in your life? Do you need some a little bit of excitement? Food doesn't need to be that excitement. Um, are you eating to numb stress or some pain in your life? What do you actually need to shift that pain? And can you just sit with that pain? Can you be okay with that pain? So we work through a lot of those sorts of things that are, that are the real reasons that people struggle to lose the weight. Um, not just shifting the diet, not just focusing on what they do, but focusing on the person and helping them become a bit better um, version of themselves, really, um, helping them build that confidence that they can um, achieve anything that they want to in life. Um, because really, it starts with how we think and how we feel about ourselves. Um, improving the relationship with ourselves, improving the relationship, improves the relationship with our food. So um, it really is a you know comprehensive journey for a lot of people. And um, so that's uh, that's my my main weight loss. Um, coaching at the moment, which is initially six months. Um, and this year I am also going to be developing a full transition program as well. So like I say, when I started this journey, <laughs> my whole goal was to change the world. I wanted to, you know, save the planet, save the animals and save all the humans on it by helping as many people as possible transition to plant-based eating and make it a success. I wanted to help them do it with ease and with confidence. Um, and really I transitioned away to weight loss because that's what everyone was coming to me for. But there are still people out there who want to transition to plant-based eating who do not need help with weight loss. They just want help shifting their eating patterns. And, you know, as I, um, you know, in 
Facebook groups like plant based, uh, sorry, like Forks Over Knives and a lot of the other plant based and vegan groups. And I see so many comments. Um, I see so many people still struggling with that transition. So I'm coming back to my roots and putting together a full um, transition program that is designed to help people with the not just the what, not just the how, um, but also with the shifting their mindset around food, shifting their mindset around what it is they're doing, helping them feel confident in social situations around friends who may be questioning what they're doing, um, helping them feel confident uh, in their family situation if they're the only person in the family. I see a lot of women um, particularly comment about, you know, my partner doesn't want to come on this journey with me. My kids don't want to come on this journey with me. Help, what do I do? I don't want to be cooking two meals every night. So helping them think um, about that journey differently and helping them uh, in a way that can help bring the family on board um, subtly <laughs> in a way that doesn't feel like, you know, this is how I'm eating, therefore you should too. Um, but, you know, help people bring, come on the journey around them as well so that they can be a good influence rather than sort of, which is what, you know, vegans tend to be accused of doing and that's pushing their agenda on other people. So, so that's where I'm. That's where I'm planning that one um, for a little later in this year. Don't ask me about timing because I haven't put it in the calendar just yet. <laughs> um, but that yeah. will probably start to happen. Um, I'll probably start to develop that in the next month or so. I feel like that is very needed. The the whole transitioning. While there are many resources out there, the thing is that um, people really do need the support and, um, you know, teaching someone how to make that transition and knowing how to um, respond to the their immediate surroundings when they're not being supported is so important because for us, it's not a diet. It's a way of life. It's definitely a way of life. Yes. And, and while, um, uh, the weight loss is, you know, it's a very nice benefit. I mean, when I transitioned from uh, vegan to more whole food plant-based, the impacts to my body um, in, you know, I, I was felt like I was carrying a bit of a spare tire around my middle, um, you know, I call it the COVID spare tire. I think that a lot of people developed, um, but that just sort of melted away and it hasn't come back. So yes, the, the benefits that um, you see to your health uh, as you transition to plant-based eating um, are definitely there, but you know, that diet culture, um, you know, needing to go on a diet to lose the weight um, is very prevalent out there. And I do see a lot of people saying that they want to try plant-based eating this time to lose weight because they've just come from keto and their, their cholesterol skyrocketed. So it's about helping people adopt this way of life as a way of life and, um, and help them shift their habits, shift their mindset around food, shift um, uh, how they're showing up um, every day and help them make it easy as opposed to a struggle help them take baby steps. When we take baby steps, it's much easier. You know, like now, having gone through it myself, now I feel like I'm better at supporting a loved one, a family member, but definitely not on my, my first year. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. And, and so, um, I think even as I thought I was whole food plant-based, I realized, oh, hang on, I'm still cooking with oils. Oh, hang on, I'm still got some... Um, 
you know, processed meats in here. These have got to go. What am I doing? I'm, a, I'm, you know, wanting to be a health coach and help people eat um, healthy, plant-based, not yeah. this stuff that I'm eating. So yeah, it took me a while to actually like click as well. Um, and you're right, you know, we always think that we need to be a hundred percent. There's there's this underlying belief that um, unless we are a hundred percent, we will fail, and we don't want to fail, right? Because if we fail, we see that we are a failure. And what we're really scared of is how we will treat ourselves and how we think other people might treat us if we fail. So I help people really understand that failure or failing um, is just part of learning and growing. If we can be comfortable with putting ourselves in a situation where we're going to fail we can be comfortable facing failure, then we will be comfortable doing anything. We'll be comfortable to put ourselves out there and risk failure because it may lead us to success. And so I help people understand that failing, making a mistake, in fact, I'm about to put a post up about this today, making a mistake does not mean you are a failure. Making a mistake is an opportunity to learn and it's an opportunity to grow and it's an opportunity to say, okay, what didn't go well? What am I going to change? How am I going to do it better? How am I going to just keep taking that step forwards? It does not mean that you will not be successful. It does not mean that you are a failure. Allow yourself to fail along the journey. It's part of life. We are human. <laughs> We're meant to fail. <laughs> the judgment is what gets us to quit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, we want to escape our own personal beat up um, which is what eventually leads to us quitting and we only truly fail if we quit so let's avoid beating ourselves up if we make a mistake um, just make the next best decision and keep going right if you mess up a meal don't worry about it just make the next one better just keep going, keep trying. And um, you don't need to go through the whole personal beat up. I'm a failure. What will people think of me? What do I think of myself? Because that really does, that is what leads to failure, what leads to people getting stuck and not being able to continue to move forward. As we sort of start to wrap things up, I was wondering, um, what is the best way for people to contact you if they're interested in your programs? And do you have a final message for our listeners? Um, okay, so the best way to contact me, there's a few ways. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram, or you can uh, friend request me on Facebook, Karen Sawyer. I'm just there. Um, you can come and see all my content there. I also have a public Facebook group. Um, if people want some help and support, that Facebook group has um, a whole heap of free support for people. I have lots of uh, helpful posts, um, resources. I have, I'm even doing a little bit of a, a live cooking demo into that group. I'm getting that back up and running this week. I've got a few there that I started last week, but you know, just my own little makeshift cooking show. It's not perfect, but I don't care. You know, we're going to get out of this need to be perfect. Um, but yeah, I just help people you know, realize that plant-based eating doesn't have to be hard. It can be quite simple. You can do it with one pan on the stove. My kitchen's tiny. <laughs> um, so the name of the Facebook group is Plant-Based Health and Weight Loss Support. And the and is the little symbol and. 
So plant-based health and weight loss support. I mainly hang out in Facebook because I like the community aspect. I like being able to talk to people. I find Instagram's just a little bit sort of push, show, show, show. I don't find I can um, interact with people quite so much, but I'm on Instagram as well. Um, And a final word to people, um, I guess my big thing is just be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself on whatever journey you're on. Uh, if you are trying to step into plant-based eating, just be kind to yourself on the journey. Allow yourself to make some mistakes. Allow yourself to go as slow as you need to go. Keep your eye on the prize and what you are aiming to achieve, but allow yourself to take it slowly. If you are wanting to lose weight, allow the process to be slow. Too many times we want fast results because we're trying to get to our you know, our goal weight, our goal body, so we can feel good about ourselves. The thing is, um, we, we, we want to enjoy the process along the way. We want to enjoy the process of weight loss so that it doesn't feel like a process. It doesn't feel like we're restricting ourselves, like we're denying ourselves. If you can enjoy the process, you are going to stick to it. So be kind to yourself on the journey. Allow it to take as long as it's going to take. That was one of the things that I beat myself up about so long for so long. I wanted to be there now so I could feel better about myself and I would do all sorts of restrictive stuff to try and get there quickly. It doesn't work, right? Just allow it to take as long as it's going to take and just keep making the next best decision if you make a mistake. Making a mistake does not mean you are a failure, right? It just means you're human, right? Celebrate being a human. (laughs) It's okay. That's a beautiful message. I really like that to just, it's like trust the process and just allow it to be. I really like that. Thank you, Karen, so much for being with us today. Thank you, Maya. It was um, a pleasure. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.